We are going to be in Acts 3, so if you've got your Bibles, you can um, go there. We'll be there in a few minutes. Um, but before we get started, I just feel like there's um, a moment that we just need to be still uh, before we get into the Word. Um, so as much as silence is awkward, we're going to be silent for just a minute. Jesus, we welcome your word this morning. And Lord, we more than ever need to be reminded of what you're leading us into. And trusting that when you call us out, that you're calling us into something. And so, Lord, as you've established yourself in us, Lord, I pray that you would allow us to see that, to trust that, and to help others uh, into that same place. So this morning, as your word is delivered, I pray that you would speak in and through our hearts. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So my one thing this morning uh, that I want us to kind of wrestle with and it'll make a little bit more sense as we get into the text today, is that Jesus changes our I used to and I'm used to. He does something in us that we cannot do to ourselves. So I've got a question for you as we begin. How are you doing? I mean, this is a unusual time. Even though we... Uh, by the grace of God, have got to meet over the last, I think we're five weeks in, to being public. Um, it's not so across the board. Churches, um, and this is a, I don't know about all church history, but this is an unusual time for churches. 2020 will live in history for lots of things. One, of course, being toilet paper. <laughs> wife saw a cute... Um, thing on Facebook the other day, somebody took a picture of their house that had been toilet papered. And I don't know if it was recent or not, if any of you have seen this. And the guy wrote the letter kind of praising the the kids for finding a use for all that toilet paper that people have stocked up and their creativity and, you know, that they just went for it and blah, blah, blah. Um, but it will forever be on our mind. I think 2020, I saw somebody, it was a graduation sticker. I won't say what was below the sticker, but 2020, the zeros were toilet paper rolls. Um, and, you know, I'll let you fill in the blank for the rest. But uh, face mask, uh, a, a new norm. I, I honestly believe as much as we probably looked at uh, those in the Asian culture of wearing face mask uh, when they come, it will probably be something that uh, won't be unusual in our culture leading forward. Um, social distancing, those some of my introverts are like, praise the Lord. There is now a reason why people won't get close to me, and I'm excited about it. Corona and not the beer. I really feel bad for Corona. I hear their sales were down. I mean, how would you like to be pigeonholed to this thing? 
Um, and the list goes on and on. And our present that we're in right now is a constant reminder of how it used to be. Remember when we could stand in line, not six feet apart? Um, I, I think week two or three, when we finally went out to a grocery store, and um, I don't know about you, but I was unaware that there were uh, lanes, directions that you were supposed to go down in the grocery store, and I'm walking down whatever aisle I want to because that's what we do in America. Um, and I looked down about midway through Walmart, and I'm like, why are there arrows? And I think I said something to Jody, and she's like, this is the direction you're supposed to go. So I don't know if I was going the right direction or not, but uh, it's unusual. Remember when we could go to any restaurant we wanted, and the only line that we would have to wait in uh, was, you know, how busy they were, not that they only took five or six people inside. Uh, for me, I remember spending my days in a coffee shop. I remember the joy of coming out of that coffee shop and smelling like the brew. I don't, I mean, literally, I went by Port City Java this morning, picked up something from the window, and I looked longingly into the sitting area. Oh, remember, and this goes back to toilet paper, being able to purchase toilet paper and get any brand that you want. <laughs> I'm telling you what, I'm not a fan of one ply toilet paper at all. We mistakenly got that from Costco. One time, and when it finished, it, it ruined. But like for a season, we're like, if you got any toilet paper, you're like, yes. Oh, remember, and I've, I was at a church on Thursday night and uh, saw this awkwardness happen. Remember when we could shake hands? <laughs> I saw people like come up to each other and like, oh, like I don't know, what do we do? Uh, but there's a lot of things uh, that it used to be like, and I'm not sure that it's going to be like, and not that I'm speaking prophetically, but I think, I believe, um, that the church, being the church, is going to come out better because of this. We're going to be forced to do things differently, and anytime we innovate and we begin to, um, things get shaken, typically God is in the stirring business, and He's going to do some things that we probably wouldn't have gotten into if this didn't happen. But what we're going to get in today, today I want to spend some time looking into a used to that we shouldn't long for. And if you're um, familiar with the history of the church, the history of the people of God, uh, we long for Egypt. The people of God were imprisoned in Egypt for 400 years. They were slaves. And God finally set them free, and they're on their way to the promised land, which it took a little bit longer than they had intended to. But in the middle of that, because they didn't have all the, the luxuries that they think they should have, they longed for slavery. They, they, they used to. They, they said, remember, we could eat whatever. We had fish, and, and we had meat to eat in Egypt. Like, they're longing for slavery. That, I believe, is in our DNA as human beings. We forget what God has pulled us out of and is taking us to. And we long, because we don't remember, for that used to. And this morning, uh, the text that we're going to be in in Acts 3, there's a story. And it doesn't really talk about him wanting to go back. But when I read it, there was just like a, like a highlight of the Holy Spirit of going, would he go back? 
And, and that's what, we, what I want to talk about today. So we're going to get into uh, Acts 3, starting in verse 1, and I'm going to read through 21, and we're going to talk about it and hopefully have some implications that remind us that where God's lifting us out of, where God's taking us, is always better than what used to be. So verse 1, it says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. It's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. They had three times of prayer during the day that they would go to. And what's cool about this is they were doing what they normally did. I don't believe this was a a special mission. Like, I don't think Peter and uh, John woke up in the morning and be like, hey, we're going to heal the cripple at the beautiful gate. I literally believe they were going to prayer and God presented an opportunity, which is good for us. Ministry happens in and around our normal routine. I truly believe, if, if nothing else, Corona, because programs, church programs, have been reduced because you cannot do these things and it's going to force us to get in this place of going, looking for the Holy Spirit in our normal life. And seeing, and I think this is what happened, they literally were going to the temple to pray. And this happened. So verse 2 it says, And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate at the temple that was called beautiful, the beautiful gate, to ask for alms of those entering the temple. Lame from birth, there's a, um, in this culture, there's a, a perception that if you, were, if you were born into this condition, that there's, a, it's a curse, it's a judgment from God, that there's something that this person or his family did to get him to this place. I don't know if you remember the interaction with Jesus and his disciples when they encounter someone that was born blind. And his disciples ask him, because this is the way they think, who sinned? Was it him or his parents? And Jesus, of course, says that no one sinned, that this happened for the glory of God. Something, this something, this, this used to rob him of any future other than this. There was nothing he could do. There was no work that he could do. There was no job he could do other than being set in front of the temple for the mercies of other people. Verse 3, it says, Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. This man was doing what he did every day of his life, asking for life from others. He was asking for the potential so that he could continue to eat and live. And verse 4, And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and they said, Look at us. I read this in a commentary, and I just I love the idea of this. Is we have to see people so that God can have access to our hearts. So many times we avoid this making eye contact. We avoid you know, really seeing what's going on in people's lives because we don't want to be inconvenienced by it. And James and John settled. They, they, they forced this. Literally, both of them looking, grabbing his attention so that he would look at them. In verse 5, it says, And he affixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. He was ready to receive his money. Hoping to receive silver and gold. And and here's a little statement that I, I wrote. It says, How many miracles have we missed asking for the wrong thing? He was asking for this one thing that he thinks, this is what I need for life. This is what I I need to to, to exist. And then verse 6, it says, But Peter said, I have no silver and gold. 
Why did you draw my attention away? Who knows how many people walked by during this encounter that he could have got money from. He says, but what I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And, and we just have verse by verse. We don't know how much time happened during this. We don't know, you know, like when he said this, was there a dramatic pause? All I can tell you in this man's world, it went to slow motion. Because he hears, oh, I'm not getting any money. But then he just hears from him. And I don't know how much, I'm sure if he spent that much time around the temple, he was aware of who Jesus was. Maybe heard some of his teaching from people in and around the temple. But he says, rise up and walk. Could you imagine in his mind, 40 years of being lame, 40 years of not using your legs, they're useless. There's no muscle there. There's, you know, who, who knows what his legs look like. Could you imagine in his mind when J- Peter and James said, get or Peter and John said, get up, rise up and walk. Like that is probably foolishness in his mind. Like, what are you talking Like He looks down at his legs. and He's like, how am I supposed to get up? Someone's carried me here every day for decades. How do you expect me to do that? And in verse seven. And I don't know, again, how much time did they sit there? Did they, they did he try to get up? We, we, we don't know what the distance or the time frame in here. But in verse 7, it says, And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. Immediately. Useless legs that could not support his waist, weight probably were un... I mean, they were. who knows how shrunken they were. You know, I've watched way too many movies and seen too many, you know, like, you know, I'm into superheroes. Like, I think it's cool. And like, can you imagine, like, as he's getting up, was he was he feeling his legs, muscles expanding, joints renewing, let, you know, maybe even lengthening? Who knows how short they were because they were not used and they didn't grow. Who knows what? But like, was he feeling this happen as it was happening? Like, I think we just skipped by that, but like, God restored him completely. Forty years of useless legs. In verse 8 it says, and leaping up. So I don't know, between that like, what are you talking about rise up and walk? To him grabbing his hand, to him starting to get up, to his legs being renewed. He's leaping up. He stood and began to walk. Could you imagine the first couple of steps of like, (laughs) and he entered the temple with them walking and leaping and praising God. See, silver and gold didn't matter anymore. The thing that would have brought him his greatest joy, the used to that, that, oh, I, I have enough to eat tonight. Like they didn't care. I don't know if he left his little cup there filled with the chains that he had collected so far of his other stuff. But I would say so. If I got legs after 40 years of no legs, I'm not worried about chains that are sitting in a little can. And he's leaping and he's praising God. And this may be the first time that he's ever entered into the temple. His condition would have, would have, most commentaries would have excluded him from going into, entering into the temple. 
And he did it on good legs, leaping and praising God. In verse 9 it says, And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him because they'd walked by him for 30-some years. They probably knew him by name. They probably intentionally came into that gate because they had relationship with him to give him their change when they came into the temple because he had been there for so long. But they knew exactly who he was. And as and recognized him as the one who sat by the beautiful gate at the temple asking for alms, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. The miracle got their attention. And Peter preaches his second recorded sermon. Not to say he didn't teach or preach outside of that, but Pentecost happened, he preaches, 3,000 people get saved. A miracle happens on the way into the temple and he preaches and another, I think, uh, another 2,000 people said yes to Jesus as Savior. And so he steps up in an opportunity. And I'm just going to tell you that when God brings us out of something, if God ever does a miracle in your life, and don't take this wrong, it is never just for you. Any miracle that Jesus did is always, well, for one, for his glory, and for two, for others. You, you see it influence and effect. And, and this happened, and not to say, oh, he saw Peter and John said, we need to preach the gospel in the temple, and we need a method for that to happen. So why not heal it? I don't think it happened like that. I think they saw a need. The Holy Spirit said, now he gets healed. And all of a sudden, Peter and John take an opportunity that is gathered to them because of their attention has been raised. And so he preaches in, in verse 11. It says, while... He clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astonished, ran together to them in the portico called Solomon. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people, men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Why do you stare at us as by our own power or piety we have made him walk? For free, side note. There was a implication in this culture in this time frame that if you were a if you were pure enough your piety if you were good enough if you worship god enough if you did all the things enough that god would be forced to listen to your prayer that's this thing because he's telling them it's not by our power it's not by our strength that this man is now walking because it's leading them to jesus they didn't want them to be admonished because look how awesome Peter and John are. He's like, no, 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 no. It has nothing to do with us. And let me just tell you, if you bring healing, transformation to anybody's life in this world, it has nothing to do with you. It's his power and his purity and his sacrifice that brings that miracle, which should alleviate. Now, this doesn't leave us to do whatever the heck we want and be whatever rotten people that we want. But I'm just saying, like, I think we missed out on so many potential miracles because, like, it's just me. Instead of, it's just him. That's for free. You can just keep that and mull it over. And it says in verse 13, it says, And... The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified his servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him. 
But you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life. Man, that's pretty heavy. Whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And in his name, by faith in his name, has made this man strong whom you see and know. And the faith that is through Jesus has given this man his perfect health in the presence of you all. It says, now brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your rulers. But what God foretold by the mouth of the prophet, prophets whom their leadership also killed. <laughs> that sounded really southern. Killed. Killed. <clears throat> that his Christ would suffer, he thus fulfilled. And then he tells, and I love this. Like he just literally told him that you killed the author of life, you killed God's anointed one, the righteous and holy one. You killed him. You killed him. Like in our mind, we shut out people because of something they've done for what he's getting ready to offer right now. We, we shut them out because of something that done. And, and he just told them to their face that you killed the author of life. But you did it in ignorance. You, you, you did it un, not knowing that. And so he, he tells them in verse 19, he says, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. That times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time for restoring all the things about what about which God spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets long ago. He offered them something that we deny so many people. He offered them an opportunity to repent even from destroying the author of life. In which he said they witnessed, they were there. Peter, and this is probably where this has happened, it's probably really close to where Peter was when he denied Jesus. Different, different. See, Peter, before the Holy Spirit, was the used to. He used to cut off people's ears. He used to, you know... Um, claim power that he shouldn't have. He, he used to do lots of dumb things. He used to deny Jesus after he t- within 12 hours. Like hours later, in the presence of people. And then just a few chapters later, here is this new person who, after they've been threatened, they've already been threatened. They're getting ready to get threatened again to not preach in his name. And he tells them to their face, we'll leave that up to God whether we should obey you or him. Because we're going to obey him. Peter, and Peter wasn't perfect. I love that even after Acts, Peter did some dumb things. Like when the Gentiles came, I mean when the Jewish friends came into town, he's like, oh, we're going to... You know, act like I haven't been doing things. I mean, he wasn't perfect, but he wasn't going to go back to his used to. And so as I read this two weeks ago when I was on vacation, there was just this, in my spirit, I just felt like, would he go back? It doesn't address that. 
But like, how logical would it be for this man who spent 30 some years outside of the temple begging for money to go back and sit at the beautiful gate and ask for money again? How illogical would that be? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Like, in my, in my soul, I'm like, it's, it's idiotic. He would never do that. But like, in my soul, the whole, the, during that, I just feel this whole thing that that's us. Over and over again that we, are, we will choose to go back to our used to because it's convenient, because it's easier, because we don't trust this place, this, this way that God is leading us into. It's, it's idiotic. And I just feel like what I felt for this word is there, there is, and maybe it's not blatant in your life, in my life. Maybe you're not like, oh, you know, I'm back at the bars on the weekend or I'm back at whatever that used to. But I believe there's something in us that's longing for something that's way beneath where God wants to bring you to. And I, I just feel like that there's this thing that God wants to do this morning. He wants to strengthen you in your understanding and trust of going where He's leading you is always going to be better than what you used to be. See, the beauty of the longer you follow Jesus, I'm 26 years in to saying yes to Jesus, and I'm fully aware that I am not arrived. Fully aware. But I'm fully aware that I'm not what I used to be. That I, I'm, I'm miles away from where God rescued me from. But I just feel this morning that God just wants you to be aware of where you're looking. He, he says, Jesus literally in one of his parables says, you know, he that sets his hand to the plow you don't look back. Don't let anything tempt you, uh, convince you that what you used to have is anything. Look, look at look at this it this way. This man was born lame. He had no ability to change, and he was outside of the presence of God. He was outside of the temple. That's us. So even if Jesus rescued you, gave you salvation, is, is, is pulled you out, and you're like, man, I really wasn't that bad. I don't think we understand ourselves when we think we really weren't that bad. Because we were born with an issue called sin that we had no way to fix. There was no ability for us to change that regardless of our patterns, our habits. And we had no way to enter into his presence outside of what Jesus did. And, and that's what Jesus does. He changes our used to or I'm used to. He changes it. He gives us hope and a life. See, God changed this man's used to. He had, he had no more must he beg for alms. That life is not his anymore. What part of you is drawing you away from where God wants to lead you. And I, I feel like there needs to be a confrontation, not uh, like publicly. <laughs> Come up here and share your, your darkest secret. But I think there needs to be a confrontation inside of you of, of confronting like this is, this is what I'm struggling with. 
Like acknowledge it and, and say, God, I need your help. I, I need your help to not go back to that idiotic place of begging for alms when I have good legs. And so here's where I want to close. I'm going to invite our team to come back up. This is a question that you just answer internally. And not that you have perfectly, but has he changed you? Have you received that that lift out of what you used to be and into what God wants you to be? Are you on that road of choosing to trust him, believe him, Hear the angels right there? They want you to obey. (laughs) Has he? If he has, don't look back at what you used to. Kill that longing. See, the, the, the Israelites longed for slavery. They would rather have slavery than the promise that God gave them just because in the moment it wasn't what they wanted. And if you've sat back down at the gate, maybe it's not just a longing, but maybe you've sat back down at the gate. You've, you've just you've given up at the moment and you're sitting back at that gate trying to collect money like you used to is to get back up. That same grace that freed you originally desires that you walk in freedom. That that is what God wants from us, for us to stay in this place of trusting Him and walking in that freedom. So I don't know what yours is. I don't know what struggle, and maybe it's nothing. Maybe yours on your end is this Peter part where he's saying it's not our own power or piety and you just need to trust in his power and ability for you to lead others out of that I used to. So let's pray. God, we need these moments of reflection. We need these moments of truth as you allow us to see these things that are pulling us away these distractions these things that want us to uh, to feel like what we used to have where we used to be would be better than where we are right now lord and i just pray as we go into this song of worship as we lift our voices again, that you would allow us to acknowledge where we're being pulled, where we're settling for less. And I I pray by the grace, that same hand that reached down when there may have been doubt or indecision in this man's life, Peter's hand reached down and, and grabbed him and pulled him up. And Lord, I pray that you would do that for us now. Lord, I pray that we would be people that would be constantly lending hands to pull people out of where they used to be. And Lord, we're grateful that where you're leading us 
and where you're leading your church will be for the benefit of your kingdom. And let us be vessels that bring your power and your justice and your mercy to those around us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.